Luke chapter 2, verse 41, and it reads, his parents, which would be Mary and Joseph, because we're talking about Jesus, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Somebody say he lingered. Come on, preach it with me. Somebody say he lingered. He lingered behind Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So they left Jesus behind and they didn't even realize it. You know, there's so much humor and funny stuff in scripture. Can you imagine how stressful it would be to have to raise the Savior? Could you imagine how stressful it is? I mean, it's stressful raising your own children. Like, this is a whole human that I could mess up, and they could be a world terror if I don't raise them right. And here you are, no pressure, just the savior of the world that you're required to raise. And they done messed around and lost Jesus. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now... So it was that after three days, they found him in the temple. They had lost him for three days. Come on, just picture not knowing where your 12-year-old is for three days. Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Boy, you were, we were losing our mind. Says, he said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's Y'all, he's 12. First of all, he should have got smacked. Why are you stressing? What? He said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful for the honor, the privilege that it is to be in your presence. God, we fear you. We reverence you. We understand that this is not some just normal Sunday. This is not just an average moment. This is an audience with the King. This is a collision between heaven and earth. This is the moment that will catapult us forward into all that you have for us. So God, we pray that you would speak, and as you speak, we will obey. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. Come on, that was a whisper. Somebody shout amen like you've been awake for the last seven hours. Somebody shout amen. At the end of uh, 2021 in December, as I take time every year just to pray and to fast and to seek God. And I, 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 uh, you got to understand, I'm a cynic. I'm just a little bit kind of an eight on the Enneagram. I'm kind of anti. I'm kind of an argument type of guy. So it's really difficult for me to do things uh, just because you're supposed to do them. So one of the things a pastor is supposed to do is he's supposed to have a word for the year. 
Like he's supposed to go away and hear from God and then come back and New Year's Eve service. Anybody grew up like this? Watch tonight's service. The pastor comes out with the prophetic word and, and he says the year, the word for this year is abundance, abundance. This is going to be a year of abundance. And we start talking about the cankle worm and all this other kind of stuff. And you're like, wait, wasn't last year harvest and now we're going from harvest to abundance and kind of just all seems the same and <laughs> I'm just anti so I'm just not a word of the year type of guy I'm not the guy that's going to come up in front of you and say the word for the year is unless there's actually a word for the year and kind of just praying and seeking God this year. And I wasn't even really looking for a word, but just in a moment with God, he just dropped on my heart, Stephen, 2022 is going to be the year of purpose. He said, this is going to be the year where people are going to walk in their kingdom purpose, where people are going to discover why I made them, when people are going to stop getting caught up with distractions. People are going to stop chasing detours, and they're actually going to focus in. They're going to hone in on why I made them, why I created them, why I placed them on this earth, in this time, in history, in this state, with this family. The Bible says in the book of Acts, there is not one aspect of your origin that was happenstance. There's not one aspect of your life. I know your parents told you that you were a surprise. I, I know they told you that they didn't expect you and, and that they were done and then you showed up. But it does not matter whether it was a surprise to your parents. It was not a surprise to God. He knew you. He planned you. He formed you. And he has a purpose for you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be in a series called On Purpose that I'm going to begin to live every aspect of my life with a level of intentionality that I know there's a purpose that God has for this. And we're actually going to spend the next five weeks kind of just walking through Jesus's journey to the cross, to the resurrection, and now being seated at the right hand of the Father. There, there is nobody on earth who lived with more purpose than Jesus. You got to understand, even before he was born, his life was already defined. Even before he breathed one breath or walked on this earth, his purpose was defined. Here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. It says, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants. His kingdom will never end. This was before he was born, and he was declared, it was actually declared to Mary, your son is going to be the king of kings. Your son is going to, do you understand that every kingdom has come to an end? There is no more Egyptian dynasty. There is no more Roman Empire. There, there is no more Attila the Hun. There is no Napoleon and all these great uh, invaders and, and, and kingdoms. But it says the kingdom of this king, there will never be an end to it. No pressure. But as a three-year-old, he had purpose. As a, as a five-year-old, he had purpose. As a 12-year-old, as a 25, even before he started his ministry, there was purpose on his life. Could you imagine what it was like to live knowing that you were a king? 
Could you imagine what it was like living knowing that there was a cross in your future? Could you imagine knowing what it's like living at 16? Think back to when you were 16. Somebody said, I am 16. Well, perfect. <laughs> to know that the entire world was hopeless without you. That you literally were the catalyst, the linchpin to every single person's existence. Could you imagine how it altered his decisions? Could you imagine how he picked his prom date? Knowing that there was purpose on his life. Could you imagine how he governed himself? Hear me, purpose brings focus. Purpose brings intentionality. Pur 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 purpose brings a, a, a pursuit of life that is a little bit different than your average person. I hate to say this, but most people don't live with purpose. Most people live with, let's see what this year brings me. Let, let, let's see how this day goes. Let's, let's see what happens this week. Let's, you ever said this one? Let's see how I'm feeling in the morning. Hey, you want to go out to eat? Uh, let's see how I'm feeling in the morning. Here's the whole point of this series, that you have the same purpose on your life that Jesus had on his. Can, 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 I, can I really get up in your grill? There are just as many prophecies about your purpose as there are about Jesus's purpose. But we're aware of the prophecies over Jesus' For unto us a child is born, unto us the son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. The government shall be upon. Do you know God is just as specific about the purpose on your life? The Bible says this in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. He said, I knew you, Stephen. Come on, put your name in there. I knew you. Robert, I, I knew you, Joshua. I, I, I knew you before you were formed within your mother's womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. What God said about Jeremiah, he's saying about you. Before you were born, I knew you. Before you breathed one breath, I knew you. Before you made that major mistake that you regret and you think has canceled out your future, I knew you and I had a plan and a purpose for your life. There was nothing accidental about you. There was nothing happenstance about you. There was nothing about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. That was a part of God's plan for your life. He has a purpose for you, a purpose that predates your breathing. Just a little side note, that's why abortion was never a political issue. It was never a woman's right to choose issue. It was always an issue of before that child was even formed, God had a plan for their life. God had a purpose for their life. There, there is a kingdom calling on every single being's life. And my prayer is that we would learn to live with the same level of intentionality that Jesus lived. I, I can't do everything that everybody else can do. I can't go everywhere that everybody else can go. I, I, I'm not going to have to go through easy things like everybody else has it a little bit easier than me because there is purpose on my life. Today I want to preach a message called, I wasn't left, I lingered. I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I got excited when I wrote the title. I was like, I, 
I got the title before I wrote the message. And, and I said, I don't know what this message is going to be about, but this title, this title is hitting right here. I, I wasn't left. I lingered. I remember back in college, and particularly sophomore year, it was, it was kind of just a crazy, hectic year for me at the University of Maryland College Park. Fear the turtle. It's a terrible turtle. It's a terrifying turtle. Everyone's like, what's so scary about a turtle? Have you met one? Actually, I have. Okay, then you know. No, I don't. Anyway. Sophomore year in school, it was kind of just a hectic year. I was taking 20 credits because I wanted to get out of there as fast as I possibly could. I was working for my dad's company close to 35 hours a week. And then I was this student pastor at my dad's church. I was driving up from College Park up to Baltimore multiple times a week. And I was kind of just running, 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 running. I I also uh, loved Jesus. So being drunk on the side of Route 1, laying in a bush at 3 a.m. was just not my idea of a good time. I remember I'd roll out Thursday because I didn't have Friday classes, and, and I'd go to work, and I'd spend the weekend up here. I'd lead worship, and I'd come back Monday morning, and, and I'd come in and hang out at the cafeteria, my roommate or whatever it may be. Man, you missed the party this weekend. Man, I'm telling you, you got wild cops showed up. They started shooting rubber bullets, which happened at every single College Park party. I mean, you know why, right? Because all the Howard students would come over and ruin it. Wow. <laughs> Y'all don't got parties at your school? Why are you always here? Anyway. It was like, man, you missed it. It was crazy. The homecoming concert, or this happened, or that happened. And man, you're never at any of the parties. I remember one time, My roommate got so worried and concerned about me, they staged an intervention. They they, they literally sat me down in our dorm and they said, Stephen, okay, we got to talk, man. I don't know where you need to go, but we're worried about you. And I'm like, what's wrong? I got a booger in my nose. I mean, I've been bathing once a week. What's the issue? (laughs) They said, Stephen, you're missing out on your college experience. You, you, you haven't been to any of the parties. You, 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 you're, you're not going to any of the events. You're, you're missing out on all the moments. You're, you're, you're getting left behind. Wow. And, and he literally says something, and I've told this story a million times, so forgive me if you've heard this before, but, but, but he lifts his finger up and he says, Stephen, this is you, and this is life passing you by. <laughs> I started laughing. I'm like... Like, bro, it's not this serious. I mean, trust me, I'm having a college experience. I'm getting D's and C's just like you are. And I'm begging the professor to give me that extra point. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. What, 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 what he didn't understand is that my life was aimed at something that was different than his life was aimed at. My, my, my life was going, not, not, oh, that sounded bad. I was saying my life was going somewhere in his. But anyway... <laughs> I I, I had seen something, I'd recognized something that helped me understand that my entire existence wasn't based on the four years that I spent on this campus, that that there was was purpose on my life. One of the things that I've discovered about people who don't have purpose is they hate getting left behind. People have not discovered purpose. They hate the feeling that they're missing out 
on something. That there's something that other people are experiencing. There's, there's something to other people that are walking in. There's something, there's something that I should be able to enjoy, but I'm not in, enjoying in this moment in this passage in Luke chapter 2, we, we find Jesus at the age of 12 years old. His, his parents, Mary and Joseph, were going up to Jerusalem. This was the annual time where they would celebrate the Passover feast. It was a seven-day celebration, but biblically, they were only required to be there for two days. It says that Mary and Joseph stayed the entire seven days, which will just tell you that Mary and Joseph are the type of people that we're not giving God the minimum. We're going over and above. It says for seven days they were there and they would go to the temple and they would worship and they would eat and they would feast. And then on the seventh day, that morning before they went home, they went to the temple and they worshiped and then they laughed. What they did not realize is that as they left, Jesus did not leave with them. Now, you may be thinking of a family of three. How in the world did you not realize that your son was not there with you? But you got to understand that it was multiple days, probably a week's journey to get to Jerusalem from where they lived. So they didn't just go with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. The entire family came. Most likely Joseph's parents and Mary's parents and the siblings and, and, and the children and the help and all this other kind of stuff. It was most likely a caravan of hundreds of people making their way to Jerusalem. And then there would have been friends and neighbors from the same city that were taking the same journey. So as they left with hundreds of people, they just assumed Jesus is with his uncle. Come on, you ever been out to a restaurant with your siblings or whatever, and your kids say, hey, can I, can I ride with uncle this person? Can I, can I ride with auntie or whatever it may be? They just assumed Jesus was with the uncle or Jesus was with the aunt. It wasn't until a day had gone by that, that Jesus never came to change his clothes. He, he never came to brush his teeth. And this is normal for a 12-year-old, by the way, so they weren't that no surprise. But after a day when he hadn't popped up, they, they started looking among their siblings, among their family. Three days until they realized, oh my gosh, we left him back in Jerusalem. Can you imagine as a parent realizing that you left Orlando, came back to Maryland, and you left you? <laughs> they were losing their minds, searching everywhere. And when they found, and sometimes I wish I could preach the scripture and you didn't know it. Because the fact that you know it, you kind of just, it's like getting the end of a movie spoiled. But can you imagine what it was like? All these prophecies about who Jesus was. And then the place that they find him is in the temple. Not only do they find him in the temple, but they find him in the temple sitting down with all the Pharisees. All, all, all the rabbis, all the, all the teachers of the law. And he is giving as good as he's getting. He's sitting there saying, okay, I know, I, know, I, I know that's what Jeremiah said, but what about this passage in Isaiah? And, and Isaiah said that, but did you realize that Zephaniah is actually pointing to this prophecy in Micah? And, and they're just going back and forth. And Mary's like, what in the world is going on? And Jesus said, you have to understand there's, there's purpose on my life. There's the father's business that I was sent here for. And because I was sent here for the father's business, keeping up with the Joneses, staying in step with my family, making, oh, okay, making sure that mama's always happy with me. 
is not the primary focus of my life. There, there's purpose on my life. Can, can I just give three quick thoughts? Three quick thoughts. The, the, the first thought is this. Purpose can't be left behind. It, it, it is literally impossible to leave someone of purpose behind. It, it, it blows my mind how so many people are tormented with next. Everything about life is what am I going to accomplish next? What is coming next? What's the next thing that I'm looking forward to? And it starts really young. You, you remember being 12 years old? And all you wanted to do was be a teenager? You, you just wanted teen at the end of it. I, I can't wait until I'm 13. And then you turn 13 and you realize teenagers have as, about, as much power as a 12-year-old. Nothing changed. Now I can't wait to be 16 because then I get my driver's license. I get out the house. Then you turn 16 and realize a driver's license with no car is the equivalent of being 13. So you work over the summer. You save up for your little beater. You get your car at 17 only to realize a car with a curfew is about as powerless as a 12-year-old. Now, now I can't wait till I'm 18. I'm 18. I can't wait. You turn 18 and you, you go out. You go to college or whatever. Now you're 18. You have a car. You have no curfew and you have no money. Now you can't put gas in your car. Kind of like 2022. <laughs> and you realize, no, 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 no. I don't want to be 18 because 18-year-olds are broke. I can't wait till I get out of college so I have a job and... You turn 22 and you get your job and you're, you're still broke because now I got to pay off these student loans and now I got to pay this rent. And oh man, if only you could pay your mortgage with student loans at 45, that, that would be the move. <laughs> then all of a sudden you're like, man, now, now I got a house, now, now I got a job. Oh man, I need somebody to share it with. I can't wait to get married. You, you finally find somebody, you get married and when y'all having kids. I mean, the way... The wedding certificate ain't even dry yet. I can't even frame it because the ink is still, when y'all making babies, we need some babies. Then, then you have kids and, and they're useless. And, and man, I can't wait till you can sleep all night. They can sleep all night, but they can't wipe your own behind. Now you're like, I can't wait till you wipe your own behind. And, and then they do, and you can't wait till they can cook. And now you can't wait till they leave. And then as soon as they leave, you want them to get married. And then they get married, and you see how the just evil cycled. What's next? What's next? You can't even enjoy this promotion because you're looking at the next one. You, you, you are making more money today than you've ever made in your life, but you're still not satisfied because there's still something you can't afford. And it's just, what's next? What's next? So many people, they live in this prison of next. And I've discovered the prison of next has four walls. The, the, the first wall of the prison of next is, is the wall of delay. I thought next would have happened by now. I, I thought I would have been there. You could put whatever that is. I thought I would own my own house by now. I, I thought my business would have gone further. Man, if that pandemic just hadn't hit, I'd be so much further along than I am right now. And it's like everything that I long for, it, it, it's delayed. A, a, another wall of the prison of next is the wall of discouragement. I've just given up all hope of next. 
there's, there's nothing coming. There's no way I'm going to move forward. Do you know all I've been through? Do you, do you know the setbacks that I've experienced? This is about as good as it gets. Another wall of the prison of necks is the wall of destruction. My future was destroyed by that divorce. All my dreams are gone. It was that foreclosure. It was that business closure. It was that season of sickness. or what, There was an event in so many people's lives that they feel has canceled off any hope for next. I'm feeling really good like a Baptist preacher because they all start with D, delayed, destruction, discouraged. I just need one more wall. I got it. Denied. I work really hard on those. I would be there if that person hadn't blocked me. If that person hadn't rejected, if it wasn't for that, and we spend so much time obsessing over what's next. Missing the fact that there's something that's right now. And that if I obsess over what's next, I could actually miss what God has for now. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, it says this, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Hear me, God has something great for you next, BWI. Somebody say amen. amen. But he has something supernatural for you now. There is a great future that he has for you. There's a great plan that he has for you. Hear me, 2023 is going to be better than 2022. God has an amazing April for you. But there's something in March. There's something right now that has purpose all over it. At first glance, it may appear that Jesus was left. But he wasn't left. He, he, he lingered. He, he wasn't left. He gave up the opportunity to go on to next because he understood I had not maximized now. People of purpose refuse to go on to the next season until they've wrung this season of everything that God had in it. People of purpose have the mindset of, I'm not in a hurry to get there. Because God still has more for here in this moment. If you live a life of next, 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 you will miss the purpose that God has on your life. Some people don't like to be left behind so much that they will leave their purpose. Just to remain relevant. I, I, I know this is not the place that God has for me. I know that's not a good fit. I know this is not the call of God. I know this is, but at least I'm doing something there, and, and I just can't stand to, to sit still. When, when I graduated uh, uh, from school, I, I knew that ministry was what I wanted to do. I just didn't know quite what the path to it was, so I, I just applied literally to any job that had an application. I had a business degree, and I was just like, that could kind of go a lot of places. So I, I applied to Target. I applied to Johnson & Johnson. I applied to ExxonMobil. I, I applied to Progressive Insurance. Anybody that had an application to the job fair, I got, what do you care about? Do you care about pharmaceuticals? Do you care about oil? I care about whoever is going to pay me when I get out of here so I can pay back this school for the rest of my life. I actually ended up landing a job uh, uh, with an oil company. 
And it, 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 it was mind-blowing. The salary that they offered me was double anything else that anybody had offered me. It came with a signing bonus. And I thought only athletes got signing bonuses. I, I didn't know that was a thing that happened in the real world. The only problem with this job is it required me to relocate to Louisiana. Now, normally when I tell this story, I bash Louisiana and then I get all these mean, evil emails and I'm going to save all that. So, I mean, for real, who wants to live in Louisiana? It's just... <laughs> and Louisiana said... Yeah, I was like, one. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Louisiana. There's oil in Louisiana. There's money in Louisiana. And houses are cheaper in Louisiana. Only problem is God told me to stay in Maryland. It wasn't this big audible voice. It was just, Stephen, I've called you to this region. There's an impact. There's a purpose that I've called you to have in this region. I said, great. Where's the other equal paying job? Silence. It's not even, he didn't say it wasn't coming. He said nothing. Where's my signing bonus? Silence. When will I see this purpose? Silence. What is it going to look like? Silence. Here, am I allowed to say God's annoying without getting in trouble? Like, if, if he strikes me with lightning, it's on me. You're good. I'm, I'm, we're far enough away. You ain't going to get hit. The annoying thing about God, I mean that with all fear and all reverence. <laughs> he never gives you enough information. Abraham, go. Where? To a land. How will I know when it's the land? I'll show you. Am I there yet? It's like a big game of Marco Polo. But people of purpose so trust that the one who made them has a purpose for them that you're willing to be left behind and delay your dreams without a lot of information. I don't need the whole story. I just know purpose is here. Because you told me to stay here. I'm here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 38, it says this. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Yeah. And don't get worked up on what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things. By the way, here's what you can guarantee tomorrow is. Hard things. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it, I, I feel like, leave it for yourself. I feel like, God's writing to us and he's saying, why are you so anxious for tomorrow? Yeah. It doesn't get easier. <laughs> it only gets harder. He says, so stop worrying about tomorrow. He says, I'm going to help you with those hard things when they come up, when the time comes. I'm learning. I'm getting old, y'all. I'm getting old. My back hurts. My neck hurts. I got great hair. I'm getting old. And everybody five minutes older than me said, shut up. Anyway, the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing there's no rush. There's no hurry. There's no timeline on destiny. 
that I need to be content right here in the right now because there's something that God has for me right here. Hear me, child of God, that's been worried. When is this going to break open? When, when is this going to happen? When is this prayer going to be answered? When is something going to turn? When am I going to see what I've been praying for? Just understand, if you haven't seen it yet, it's because you have not exhausted all the miracles that are in this moment. There, there, there is more that God has for you. There's, there's more open doors. There's more favor. There's more opportunities. There's more that he's trying to do in you and through you here before he takes you there. If I preach, can y'all go there with me? And here's the crazy thing about purpose. When Mary and Joseph realized that Jesus was not there, watch this, they went back to find him. I wish I had somebody who had the faith that understood, I can't miss destiny. I can't miss purpose. What God has for me is for me, and I won't miss it. And watch this, if I miss it, he'll come back and find me. Some people are so afraid of making the wrong decision. Not understanding that when you make the wrong decision, that decision will circle back and come back to you again. Because God says, this is the way that I have for you. As you walk, you're going to hear this still small voice saying, you missed it. Go back. Some of y'all need to hear that. There's dreams that you've given up on and it's coming back for you. There's open doors that you said no to. About three years ago, somebody reached out to me and they said, hey, see what's going on in the church and blah, 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 blah. And we think you would be a great author. Would you like to write a book? This was a time when I was pulling my hair out. I had two children under two. Church was growing. Everything was going nuts. And I was just like, honestly, I don't have the time right now. And it was the scariest decision I've ever made in my life because I didn't know if the opportunity would ever come back again. I wasn't looking for it. And when it came, you know, you get this opportunity, like, this is God. Oh, this is an open door. That's how I get on opportunities. You, you may be a lot more chill. Oh, an open door. I'm bugging out. I'm losing my mind. But just something in my heart was like, it's not the right time. Passed up on it. Didn't hear anything about it for two years. Two years later, they circled back and they said, hey, you, you, you had mentioned before that there would be another time that it would be a better time. Do you think now would be a better time? And I said, actually, in the middle of a pandemic, I got nothing to do. Writing a book sounds like a pretty good distraction right now. But here's the deal, and I'll tell you the whole story a little bit later, but the second time the door opened, the door was a lot bigger than the first door. Delay actually enlarged the opportunity. And there's so many people that are afraid of missing out on opportunities, not realizing if God has it for me, first of all, I can't miss out on it. And second of all, oftentimes opportunities are like mangoes. I was going to say wine, but I'm in church, so we'll go with mangoes. The more they age, the sweeter they get. The, the longer I wait, the better the opportunity be. I wasn't left. I, I lingered. Second thought is this. Pur purpose leads to learning. Pur purpose leads to learning. Now, every, every time you preach, you got to understand there's two sides to a coin, and there's people on both sides of the coin. 
One side of the corner, those of you that never like to be missing out on any opportunity, you don't like to be left behind, BWI. You're just like, no, 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 no. I, I got to make sure that I stay up to date on everything that's happening. You, 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 you were buying crypto before crypto was crypto. I'm, if this is going to be where billionaires are made, I'm the first in. But then there's those of you that, that you don't mind being left behind. You're, you're, I'm not about next. And we call it contentment. I'm, I'm content with where I am. No, no, that's not contentment. It's complacency. Having no desire for next is not godliness. Contentment is not the equivalent to complacency. Contentment is I am defined in Christ and I don't need anything else to define me. Complacency is I don't want anything else. When the Bible says, ask for the nations and I will give them to you as your inheritance. If you're breathing, there is more that God has for you. I'm not lingering because I'm complacent. I'm lingering because God is trying to teach me something in this season. Jesus wasn't just twiddling his thumbs. The Bible says that he was in the temple among the rabbis, wrestling with scripture, listening, learning, and asking questions. If you find yourself in a season where you're not in the next that you want to be, hear me, there's a lesson that God's trying to teach you where you are. And I need to figure out, God, what is it that I have not learned that I need to learn before I go on to the next of the purpose that you have for me. Y'all yeah. <laughs> got the movie in your head, right? Just picture this 12. Picture like this is the Supreme Court. You have the top judges, the top minds in the world, and a 12-year-old sitting there. Talk about actually the precedent shows. Giving and taking just as it says, as they walked in, they were astonished by the wisdom that he had. Hear me, people of purpose end up in rooms that you don't deserve to be in. People of purpose end up in rooms that are far above your resume, your degree, far above your ability and your intellect. But here's the thing, God did not put you in that room to intimidate you. God did not put you in that room to expose you. He put you in that room because he's trying to teach you something that you're going to need for the purpose that he's taking you to. I remember about eight years ago, I was sitting in a room with a group of pastors. Pastor Chris Hodges, who's now my pastor, had invited a bunch of young pastors into the room kind of just to teach them about ministry and how to grow churches and all that other good stuff. Pastor Chris would never tell you this, but he pastors the second largest church in America tens of thousands of people gathering every single Sunday to worship God all over Alabama and now going into Georgia. Here I was a pastor of a church of about 280 people and I'm sitting there and this guy over here has a church of 5,000 and this guy over here has a church of 10,000 and this guy over a church of 4,000 and they, they were talking about things that had never crossed my mind. You ever have people like they're answering questions that, that you weren't even smart enough to ask? I mean, business questions and building questions and theological. They, they got to this one part of this conversation where it's like, you need to know the demonic principalities of your city. 
And you need to make sure that you are praying strategically against the demonic principalities of your city because every city, and they just started to name different, different principalities in different cities in this nation. And I'm like, Prince, I've heard that word before. I can't Google, Google again. <laughs> I took eight pages of notes. By the way, I didn't get invited back for three years, and I think one of the reasons why I didn't get invited back is because I didn't ask one question. I didn't say one word. You know why? Because the Bible says even a fool is considered wise when he keeps his mouth shut. So I, said, I, I ain't saying nothing. I ain't asking nothing. They talking about building these $20 million buildings. I'm just like, can I get $300 to pay this copy machine lease for this month. If we don't pay this copy machine lease. They're going to they gonna take the church's copy machine. Can, can I give me three? I'm just trying to hold on to the copy machine. And, and they're talking about square footage and parking spaces per attendee. I, we got space. We got enough parking for everybody who attends the church. That is not my issue today. Can I tell you eight years later? I still have those eight pages of notes. Eight years later, I still read them. I still go back to them. I actually was at the same round table last week with Pastor Chris. He invited me back. Finally, I've been going for the last five years, and every time I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, because I realize if God is going to put me in a room that's above my head, there is something in there that he's trying to teach me, that he's trying to show me. Here's what blows my mind. People prefer to be the biggest fish in a small pond. than being the smallest fish in the ocean. If there's a room that you're in and you don't want to be there because you're looking at next, there's something that God's called you to learn in that room. For the sake of time, can I tell you why most people never get past this? Because most people are too prideful to learn. That was just mean, right? Hear me. If I had more time, I'd have softened it up, tell you a funny story and all that kind of stuff, but I, I just, it is impossible to learn what you think you already know. And the second you think you know something is the second you cut off any opportunity to learn something new. It's amazing to me how many people have strong opinions, but not the ability to say, hey, what is it that God is trying? Someone who is dogmatic and unwilling to learn something new is someone who life will leave them behind. Acts chapter 17, verse 11, talking about the Berean church. It says, the people here were of noble character, more noble than those of Thessalonians. What Paul said is, I leave the verse up. He said, I went to the church of Thessalonica, and they didn't want to listen to much of what I was teaching because they thought they knew everything. Then I came to this Berean church, and they were humble enough to actually learn something new. It says, since they received the word, watch this, with eagerness, and they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So Paul said, as I preach, it's not that they took me at the word, but they leaned in. They were eager. They took me, and then they went home, and they studied scripture to see if it lined up with what God said. Last thing is this. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's rough when you write a message because you already know where it's going to go and you're at the end. 
and you're excited. Last one right there, right Purpose doesn't take things personally. <laughs> I had fun writing this one. Here's what it said. In verse 48 of Luke 2, it says, when they saw him, when Mary and Joseph finally found Jesus, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, son, watch carefully, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. First of all, why did Joseph never say nothing? You know that? Why, man, man, Joseph, if Joseph was here, I would, and Mary would give me a chance, we should give him a... It says they find 12-year-old Jesus with the rabbis teaching them and learning. And it says they were amazed. They were blown away by what was happening, but not so amazed that they weren't offended. It's amazing how people will be amazed at what God is doing in your life and offended at the same time. Man, you look so happy, but you've forgotten where you've come from. Man, it's so awesome, all that you're getting to do in your life, but, but we don't hang out anymore. Man, look, look, look what God is using you for. Don't get a big head. Don't think you're better than us now. It's amazing how you can be amazed and offended at the exact same time. Mary, look, he said, how could you do this to us? How could you cause us so much pain and so much anxiety? It's impossible to live a life of purpose and people-pleasing at the same time. Because people who do not have purpose will always be offended by those who do. Mary said, clearly you did this just to torment us. Clearly you did this because you hate us and you're trying to get back at us. And look what Jesus said. He said, do you not know? This is Stephen, this ain't Jesus. It ain't about you. It, 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 it's not personal that we haven't had lunch in three years. It, it's not personal that I didn't get the degree that you wanted me to get and I'm not living out the dreams that you didn't live out. It's not personal. It's not personal that you had these plans for my life and I'm not living out your plans for my life. It's not personal. It's purpose. It's the fact that God has called me to something. And, well, what has it called you to? Well, that's the funny thing about God. He, oh, go ahead, play. Purpose will get you in some really awkward conversations. Hey, man, I got this business opportunity. I, I love to go 50-50. I need you to invest. No, I can't. Do you have the money? Yeah, I got the money. Do you want to make money? Yeah, I want to make money. But I can't partner with you. Why not? Now, I can't say it's because you're an unbeliever. And the Bible says, what does light have to do with darkness? Do not be unequally yoked. I'm not going to say that because I'm not trying to be offensive, but I'm not partnering with you. Doesn't matter how much money we can make together. Well, what are you saving your... What are you saving your money for? He hasn't told me yet. You know how crazy you sound? Who's he? 
God, God told you to save your money for some business opportunity that he won't tell you. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. How long are you waiting? He didn't tell me. <laughs> How are you going to know? He'll tell me. You get what I'm saying? Come on, we should date. You have other options? <laughs> you think I'm attractive? <laughs> then what's the problem? You're not what God told me he was going to send me. Do you know when he's going to send you? You get what I'm trying to show you. Pur purpose, it's, it, it makes you look foolish. So you're not going to take this job with this oil company. Do you understand that they raised their offer? <laughs> they said, tell us what the other offer is and we'll beat it. It's half. <laughs> How do you beat half? Let me get this right. They're offering you half of what we're offering you and you're turning us down. And here's where it gets funky. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I really want to take it. I'm not going to lie. I, I really like Balaam when it occurs. I wish I could, but, but there's purpose on my life. There's pur and because there's purpose on my life, I'm not afraid of being left behind because I know God has something for me in this season and that opportunity is gonna come back. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, that every single person in the sound of my voice, God, there's purpose on their life. God, not just purpose to be saved, but God, there's purpose for our delay. There's purpose for our gifting, there's purpose for our money, there's purpose for our kids, there's, there's purpose for our relationship. God, I pray that you would give us patience as we wait for purpose to be revealed. While we are with our eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment. Come on, let's not rush to, rush to brunch. Let's, let's allow him to put purpose in this moment. Maybe if you'd be honest, you would say, Pastor, I'm not certain that I can hear the voice of God. The Bible says that anybody who belongs to God, that they are his sheep and his sheep hear his voice. So the truth is, if you don't belong to God, then you may not be able to hear his voice. But you can rectify that in this moment. If you were to say, Pastor, if I'd be honest with you, I can't say that I belong to God. I, I can't say that I've ever surrendered my life to him, but I want to. That's you right where you are. Make that decision. You can do that by praying this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come on, it's simple. Say, Lord Jesus, I belong to you. Thank you for wanting me, for seeing me, for dying on the cross. So all my sins. Can be erased. Today I repent. 
I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person?